Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. This is going to be a one-parter, and this is uh, basically what I presented at RSNA this year. There was a session at RSNA on Sunday morning. Dave Blumke and Linda Moy, the past and present editor of Radiology, moderated this session. And my job was to speak about the key articles published in the journal Radiology in the CT era about CT. Now, that is not a trivial thing, particularly when you have somewhere of around 10 to 12 minutes. I did a quick look when I was doing the work for preparing that if you typed in CT scanning, you can see the charts, but roughly a bit over half a million articles have been published on CT when you use the term CT scanning. But my job was to pick the dozen or so most important articles in the journal Radiology. Now, it was easy to do if you said, okay, let's look at the numbers of how many times something was referenced or opened or used, but I didn't want to do some numeric thing because often those numeric things don't mean much. I wanted to do something that when you look back, you say, aha, this article was critical. So I'll share those with you. But let me first say, and I showed this at the RSNA as well, that when I ask you to pick the greatest songs of all time, everyone's going to have a different answer. It depends how old you are. It depends what music you like. It depends on many things. And this was from Rolling Stone magazine. And Aretha Franklin's Respect is a wonderful song. I'm not sure I would have picked that as number one. And the highest rated Beatles song was Strawberry Fields Forever. I think the Beatles would have been a bit higher, but I'm not sure if Strawberry Fields was my favorite song. The NBA picked their best 75th anniversary team. Now, of course, uh, RSNA was in Chicago, so it was very easy to agree with Michael Jordan being the best of the best. Though I have to admit, Larry Bird, maybe he was a number one, but he's somewhere in the top five. There's no doubt about that for everything he did. So again, you can argue, but at the end of the day, Jordan's super, Bird is super. And so when I tell you that I have these 12 articles, you could think of other ones and you'll be right. So I stuck with 12 articles that changed the world of CT and being a body imager, I ignored all the neuro stuff. And what the articles had in common were they focused on discovery or advances in technology or challenges that were overcome, vision, or clinical applications. With the quote of George Bernard Shaw, that something, some men see things as they are and say why, I dream things that never were and say why not. And many of the articles were kind of dreams. I wonder if body CT is really going to work out. I wonder if spiral CT will work. I wonder if 3D imaging will work. And you keep going on and on till the most recent thing. What about photon scanning? Is that going to be something of importance? So what I'll do is I'll show you the article. This is the screenshot from the journal. And then I'll target on the article a little bit. This was 1975. Computer tomography, the thorax and abdomen, a preliminary uh, report. Now, one of the things I thought about after I chose the articles, since I just chose critical articles, was then to look back at the authors. And those of you who have been around for a while, 
some of you knew these people. Some of you heard of these people. Some of you only have read their names on an article. But you can see that team science was big even then. On this article, this was from the group at the Cleveland Clinic, Alfidi and Haga, Meany. Those were names that were very big in the beginning of CT. And here's the article. Look at this incredible imaging of the liver and the heart. Of course, the images were backwards. This was before they even decided what was right and what was left. So that got changed. But you can see the quote. CT scanning greatly enhances our ability to visualize the normal and pathologic anatomy of the human body. There is no question that differences in tissue absorption and morphological changes are demonstrable by CT scanning in a variety of diseases. It is doubtful that routine radiography will be significantly affected by this new modality. Okay, uh, that was a slight understatement. It was changed. Its impact on the fields of nukes, ultrasound, and angio remain to be determined. This will be achieved through the use of well-designed clinical comparison studies. A very fair article in 1975, but you can see what happened over the next bunch of years. CT changed everything for every modality and moved things forward. The second article, 76, early clinical experience with motionless whole body CT. And this article, Stuart Sagel, Bob Stanley, Ron Evans, Malincrat. The big people, the big institutions early in CT were the ones who got the scanners. I've heard a million arguments who had it first, Malincrat or Mayo or Cleveland Clinic. But those were the big dogs. And then it came up to places in Boston and NYU and UCSF finally and Hopkins. But this article spoke about 18 seconds, as long as you hold your breath, look how much better the images actually look. And yes, right and left is now correct. And a quote from the article, the ability of the ME body scanner to complete a scan during suspended respiration has resulted in the clearest and most precise computer tomograms of the chest and abdomen yet published. Real anatomy is depicted rather than a simulation by which motion of organs is smoothed out by the computer. Claims that motion has not significantly degraded the images obtained of thoracic and abdominal organs by other equipment appears unrealistic. We found a definite degradation in the quality of images obtained in patients unable to hold their breath for 18 seconds. Wow, things have changed. We don't even hold a breath for 18 seconds to do a chest, abdomen, pelvis. It's under 10 seconds. But you could see these preliminary results utilizing CT needs, needs definitive confirmation by well-designed studies. Nevertheless, fast scanning was there. Third article, Body CT, a Clinical Important and Efficacious Procedure. Now, I like this article. It's an opinion, and it's something that has followed us for the past 40 years in CT. This article is unique. There's Ron Evans, Malincrat, Alfidi, Cleveland Clinic, Hartman, Mayo Clinic, Korobkin, I think he was Michigan, Kazam, Cornell, Sagel, Malincrat. Now, what you see in this article was people already were saying that CT was too expensive, it's experimental, it's a waste of time. 
here they were saying, hey, we're early on in CT. We believe that radiologists, with the help of our colleagues in other disciplines, should define experimental research and clinical use, not third-party payers or government agencies. And so I like this article because even in the earliest days of CT, administrators were getting their ass in the way and annoying the crap out of us. Again, there is no administrator that ever improved the quality of CT or did anything to help patient care. It's this article that already showed the problems we would have and still have with administrators thinking they understand technology and they will tell the radiologists what indeed to do. I like this article, 78, from Korobkin, Kressel, Moss, Kohler. This was a group at UCSF at that time. And this article spoke about vascular imaging. Look at the title. I love the title. Computer Tomographic Angiography of the Body. I thought I was one of those people who was doing the early CTA. This was way before we thought about CTA. But it made the point. Look, you can see things better when you give IV contrast. Amazing. We wish to describe some of our initial experience using IV contrast material to delineate large and medium-sized blood vessels in CT body scanning. This procedure is best termed computed tomographic angiography. So all of you who thought CTA started at 64 slice CT or 128 or 256 or maybe 16, hey guys, we're talking about the 18 second level at best some 10 second scans way before we thought it was possible. Now, of course, I had to put myself in there because this was the first article on volume rendering. Bob Drebin from Pixar, Derek Nye from Caltech, and eventually Hopkins, and some of our colleagues in radiology and orthopedic surgery. This article was important because it did show that if you could do fast scanning, which meant a scan that took 10 seconds a slice, four millimeter thick sections every three millimeters. But this was using the Pixar system. It made the point that working with industry and industry outside of the big players like Siemens, GE, Philips, other companies like Pixar was the way to go. The ability to view things and understand things, the ability to use volume rendering, a new approach to three-dimensional imaging that overcomes many of the drawbacks of the currently available surface rendering systems. This was innovative, it was unique. Yes, I was the first author, so I was lucky, but it's people like Bob Drebin, Lauren Carpenter, uh, who are on Patrick Hanrahan. Those are the three names that were on article that appeared two years later, which described the technique in computer graphics. And it was our privilege to work with these people. Now, 1990s were a very important article from Willie Callender in Germany, and this was the basis for spiral CT. Spiral volumetric CT was single breath hold technique, continuous transport, and continuous scanner rotation. Okay, could you imagine? Spiral, that's the time you heard that word. And you could see that, wow, if you scanned faster, the resolution improved, motion decreased, you had much better images, and contiguous or continuous CT scanning of organ volumes during a single breath hold was studied. 
Remember, this is the early years where section sensitivity profiles were enlarged. The section width for, for 10 millimeter section was increased by a factor of 1.3. So there were some of the issues that were brought up about partial averaging, all of the issues. But again, with every step forward, it's not a perfect step forward. Yet, this was spiral CT. And then you fast forward three years, and there's Jay Hyken, Jim Brink, and Mike Veneer and Malacrat talking about, well, they're arguing spiral versus helical, those terms. Uh, radiology did not want to get involved, so you have both terms there. But you can see we were now talking about clinical applications. Look at that, coronal reconstructions. Oh, my God. By overcoming some of the constraints of conventional CT, spiral CT has advanced established CT applications, including multiplanar reconstruction and dynamic contrast enhancement, and has enabled new apps such as CT angiography. Experience with spiral is still limited, and its clinical applications are currently evolving. 1993. Things moved very quickly from that point. I picked this article because it was one of those articles that changed things. This was from Remy Jardin from Paris, talking about the diagnosis of PE with spiral CT, comparison with pulmonary angiography and scintigraphy. The thought that CT could be used for PE was a shocking idea. This was the days of nukes, and if nukes was not right, indeterminate, you went to angiography. Now this article showed that CT was the way to go, perhaps, in a select number of patients, though it wasn't yet perfect. We consider that spiral CT scanning can be reasonably interposed between indeterminate VP scanning and pulmonary angiography in detection of PE. So they weren't yet ready to replace nuke scanning, but that quickly, quickly happened. When spiral CT findings are negative or equivocal, pulmonary angiography is indicated. So there wasn't a whole lot of confidence in CT, but it was a start. Go back to 2008. Here, dual source, dual energy CT was coming along. This was an article from Mike McCary and the group at NYU uh, talking about doing dual energy techniques for being able to look at endovascular repairs, looking for leaks, the ability to do pseudo uh, non-contrast scans, for example. Our initial experience indicates that the use of dual source, dual energy CT may improve the imaging examination of patients after endovascular repair of abdominal aortic aneurysms. Single phase dual energy CT, if validated in a larger study, may yield all of the necessary uh, data and can be performed as a standalone acquisition, eliminating the need for a true non-enhanced CT scan. Okay, we're moving along. CT, everything is going great. But then came the articles about overuse of CT, radiation-induced cancer from CT, that the CT doses were too high, that it was overused, all of the things. So as CT was getting to its prime, this came along. Now, here's an article in Radiology 2011. Henny Resek from basically Sloan Kettering. David Brenner, who wrote the article in New England Journal of Medicine about the problems of radiation, how he was saying that 
CT scanning was causing cancer and killing patients. And you can see the, the authors, Jim Thrall, Mass General, Frank Medler. And in this article, uh, radiology made the point, and you could see that there was an issue with dose. We're embarking on a long journey toward universal, individually optimized medical imaging. It is undoubtedly a journey worth traveling because the gains from modern-day imaging are major in many aspects of current practice. The more imaging we do, the more risks of our population become a potential concern and reinforce our obligation to maximize the benefit-risk ratio for every single patient. Whether the voluntary approaches in regards to quality control training and utilization that have been used to date represent the right path for the future, or whether legislation along the lines of MQSA is required, is a key question that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. But again, the article in radiology did show the seriousness of radiologists. And again, you know all the changes we did, patient selection, uh, the scanner manufacturers making lower dose scans. Today, we need to be careful how UCT, but the doses indeed are much lower. Again, radiology was there. The question that followed that in part was, are we overutilizing uh, CT? This article about CT in the emergency department, is it necessary? There were so many articles written about overuse, unnecessary physician decision-making can be done without CT. But this article, and you can see some of the stats, but let me give you a quote. In a multi-center study, we found that for common referral indications for CT in the ER, abdominal pain, chest pain, anodysmia, and headache, physicians frequently change their lead diagnosis, diagnostic confidence, and admission decisions after CT results were available. Look at those numbers. Lead diagnosis changed 51% with abdominal pain, and the lowest is 24% with headache. Median confidence level, admission decisions, 25% of patients weren't admitted. Yet they would have been admitted. The amount of cost savings, the amount of rapid triage, the advances of CT. We were no longer looking at just doing a CT for a bad reason. You can see the impact it had on our patients. And the last article I chose was this article from Dave Blumke, and this is the group at the NIH speaking about contrast-enhanced photon counting CT, the first human experience. And you know that photon uh, counting CT is now available. Uh, it's FDA approved. And so this article from 2016, seven years ago, was the initial article showing its promise, and it looks like it's going to live up to its promise. CT will be more than black and white images. Lots of different ways of looking at information, and we're really first learning what photon scanning can do. The photon scanning uh, system showed comparable performance to clinical systems when the abdomen was evaluated in a conventional scanning mode with the added advantage of providing spectral information that may be used for material decomposition. So we have come a long way. I've showed you 12 articles and I could show you 12,000 articles. Radiology has been the center of our world in advances in CT. And I think all of us
owe a great deal of gratitude to the editors and staff that have chosen the best articles, had them edited and rewritten, and it's been key to the growth of CT. As we look forward to the next 40 or 50 years of CT, and CT's anniversary, Hounsfield started in 71, so 2021 was the 50th anniversary. We're now in the second 50 years. And again, a good quote, Ralph Waldo Emerson, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave your trail. And I will tell you the 12, I got like I feel like I, I can't say the T's, but the 12 articles that I chose for you really showed the changes in CT over a short period of time. And I so look forward to seeing the changes over the next 40 and 50 years. So with that, have a great day. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.